0: in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to worship at Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church we are so glad that you have found your way to us here in this sanctuary wherever you are whatever you are doing this morning we are glad that you are here with us our worship is always available on Facebook live and Instagram live and you can also find a version of this worship service on our website at Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church you can also access a recording on our new podcast. We're glad you're here. Selwyn Avenue is an intergenerational community of faith. We are committed to knowing one another and knowing our neighbors uh, through Christ in authentic ways. As we get our feet back under us in the midst of this pandemic, We are beginning to look ahead with hope and creativity to the ways that God might be calling us into the future. If you are a visitor here with us, we're especially glad that you found us. We are beginning to gather with our newest members. It's taken us a few weeks to figure out how to do that. If you would like to join us for those conversations, please email me directly or our church administrator. You can find my email on the website. If you are a senior and you have just graduated from high school, congratulations. This coming Sunday evening, a week from today, we will have a short worship service honoring you and your families on the lawn of our church. We'd like to wish you well and send you off in in the ways that someone always does through our rituals and our prayers. Please be in touch with us and let us know if you can join us for this special night of worship in person with our masks on. We look forward to seeing you. So in the summer, it has launched a book, a book club. We have six different groups that have formed. And if you would like to explore issues of racial injustice and privilege in six different ways or even just one way, you could probably squeeze your way into one of those discussions by finding the groups on our webpage. Remember that tonight is an all Selwyn trivia night. The link is going to be in the chat. It begins at 5, it ends at 6 o'clock, and you should know I got last place last month, so the competition is not that fierce. You should join us. Um, We continue to give thanks for your financial ties and gifts during this season. Your generosity really contributes to the vitality of our congregation and to our partners in ministry out in the world. We receive gifts by text at 704-734-9818, snail mail, email, or any other way you could probably think of. And finally, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it as we prepare our hearts and our minds to worship God.
1: call to worship. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make God's face to shine upon us, that your way may be known upon earth and your saving power among all nations. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the people Equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let all the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. confession where we realize our desire for God and our hope for God's mercy. It's in admitting the truth of our lives that we take the first step towards wholeness and healing. So let us together make our confession this morning before God and before one another knowing that God will hear our prayers and forgive. Let us pray. You are the God who is simple direct, clear with us, for us. You have committed yourself to us. You have said yes to us in creation. Yes to us in our birth. Yes to us in our baptism. Yes to us in our awakening this day. But we are of another kind, more accustomed to perhaps, maybe, we'll see. Left in wonderment and ambiguity, we live our lives in an endless, perhaps, ignoring the gifts of your yes. So we pray for your mercy this day, that we may live yes back to you. Yes Yes, Yes, with our time. Yes Yes, with with our money.
2: money. Yes Yes,
1: with our actions. Yes Yes, without without strength and and without our weakness. Yes, Yes to our neighbor. Yes Yes, to no longer, perhaps. Perhaps. In your name of your incarnate, yes to us, Jesus Christ. Amen. (laughs) Friends, hear these words of assurance from John 14. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world does. Do not let your hearts be troubled, do not let them be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. Friends, hear these words of assurance. Believe in the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ.
0: our summer series on the greatest story ever told and if we are going to tell the greatest story ever told it makes sense to include an actual story a novella of sorts adopted into the Old Testament in the third century as a way to reveal what it might have been like for God's people to harness courage in the face of those who have control over them Israel, you see, had been conquered by the Babylonians, and then the Babylonians were conquered by the Persians, and so God's children of Israel were dispersed, refugees per se, living in places where they had no power, no voice, no land, no milk, no honey. And while we all might feel dispersed, most of us can still get milk, and we can still find a little honey. The entire book of Esther is only ten chapters, The king Xerxes is mentioned 190 times. God is not mentioned even once. But there is evidence of God at work when a young, beautiful Jewish girl named Esther is sent to be among the king's harem. Her cousin Mordecai, who is like a father to her, stands day and night outside of the courts waiting to hear uh, how she is faring on the inside because, you see, Esther has not revealed her true identity as a Jew for fear of persecution or, even worse, death. And as the story goes, Mordecai, also a Jew, refuses to bow to the king's narcissistic right-hand man, Haman, as he is going in and out of the palace gates, which leads Haman to declare every Jewish refugee, every man, woman, and child who is not a citizen, was to be sought out, destroyed, and annihilated in the coming days. And so this story of Esther is a story of courage and tenacity in the face of violence and corruption and power. As Mordecai grieves and mourns publicly at the news of Haman's plan, He finds a way to alert Esther, who has become the king's new wife, and now we find Esther with everything to lose in just the right place at just the right time. It is an intriguing story. We will hear from an excerpt of chapter 4. Listen for the word of God. When Mordecai learned all that had been done... Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went through the city wailing with a loud and bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. In every province where the king's command and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting and weeping and lamenting, and most of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's maids and her eunuchs came and told her, the queen was deeply distressed. She sent garments out to clothe Mordecai so that he might take off the sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called for one of the king's eunuchs, who had been appointed to attend her, Hathach and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what was happening and why. Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened, and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decrees issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther, explain it to her, and charge her to go to the king to make supplication to him and entreat him for her people. Hathak went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and gave him a message to take back to Mordecai, saying, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law. All alike are to be put to death. Only if the king holds out the golden scepter to someone may that person live. I myself have not been called to come to the king for 30 days. When they told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther Do not think that the king's palace, in the king's palace, you will escape any more than all of the other Jews. For if you keep silence as such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter, but you and your father's family, they will perish. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Then Esther said in reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will also fast as you do. After that, I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There is a website managed and created by a man named Frank Merrow called PostSecret.com. Since 2004, he has invited people like me and you from all over the world to share our secrets with him anonymously. Here are a few of the secrets from just this week. I wish I had gone on another trip with my mom instead of wasting my money on things that don't matter. She is so much fun to be near. My husband is white, I am biracial, our children present white. My least favorite racist microaggression is when the cashier asks if our family is all together. I never told anyone my cousin was sexually abused and she committed suicide, and I feel guilty. I am a pharmacist who feels jealous when I sell women infertility drugs because I cannot have children of my own. People judge me because my dad is a cop. I am so bored with my life and I don't know how to tell my spouse. Skydiving is less scary than telling people I have an eating disorder. I give rude people decaf coffee at Starbucks. I paid my little brother to clean my room with Monopoly money and he was thrilled. I have no idea who I really am. I think about my spouse who died almost every moment of every day. If secrets are nothing more than information, why do we allow them to shape and control so much of our lives? People would rather write their secrets down and send them to an anonymous person they've never met than to share their secret with the people that we are closest to. It is not uncommon for some of us to hold on to secrets for decades, even though we know they have the capacity to distort our own sense of reality. In some cases, we would rather abandon our loved ones, suffer from anxiety, or work or cut or drink ourselves to death than to share the truth about who we really are, how we feel, or what we fear, or what we've done, or what has happened to us by no choice of our own. What if we disappoint someone? What if we get hurt or get abandoned or lose everything? Best not to risk it. Loss, grief, shame, pain, fear, regret, secrets work that way. Fred Binkner once wrote, I have come to believe that by and large the human family all has the same secrets, which are both very telling and very important to tell. They are telling in the sense that they tell what is perhaps the central paradox of our condition, that we hunger for perhaps more than anything else to be known in our full humanness, and yet that is often just what we also fear more than anything else. By entering that deep place inside of us where our secrets are kept, we come closer than we do anywhere else to the one who, whether we realize it or not, is... Of all our secrets, the most telling and the most precious we have to tell. Esther has a secret. And as long as she keeps her mouth shut, she'll be safe. Although she certainly was a looker and the king did come to love her. The queen kept her true ethnicity and religion a secret from the king, and certainly no one knew that the man who was peacefully protesting and lamenting on behalf of his oppressed people was her cousin. She had plenty to be afraid of. Rejection, not being good enough, not being perfect, being alone, failure, admitting weakness or insecurity, feeling guilty or inadequate or nervous or exhausted. Oh, wait, that's... That's us. Esther was afraid of being killed by the men in the system that were controlling her. You see, we all have secrets. But the truth is we also have choices. As long as Esther tolerated and appeased the king, as long as she didn't ruffle his feathers or talk back or push the boundaries of the system or ask for too much, as long as she could handle the pressure, of doing just the right thing at just the right time, as long as she didn't step on too many toes, as long as she ignored her true self and forgot about Mordecai, the one who knew her and prayed for her and waited for her, the one who raised her, as long as she could just focus on all the things she had to get done in the moment. The lists, the obligations, the schedules, the parties... Never mind the weeping and wailing, never mind what was happening to those people outside the palace gates. As long as she could keep her secret, she could have stayed right where she was. And this is dangerous territory for people like me and you because I cannot seem to figure out for the life of me why Esther would have or could have made her way to the inside of the club, upstairs to the penthouse, down to the private school, inside the sorority, and finally right in the heart of the boardroom, only now to find herself surrounded by the 1%. And for the first time in a long while, she is being asked to consider the world beyond her own comfort, Mordecai called on her three times before she stopped to really think about it. I'm sorry, Mordecai, I just can't get to you this week. I'll call you back. I can imagine you're having a hard time, but I'm managing the schedules. I'm lining up plan A and plan B and plan C for school. I've got work, I've got important meetings and volunteering. I've got coaches and tutors and weekend getaways and Pilates and pedicures if they still do that anymore and electrolysis and highlights and Invisalign and Lululemon and Starbucks. We are Instagram shiny even during COVID-19. And for what purpose? What's it all for, Esther? Have you been in the palace so long that you actually believe what they're telling you? The rules of how you should look, who's allowed in and out, what is expected of you, what you should look like or sound like or act like, what you should believe or tolerate. I mean, maybe she deserved it. She was the prettiest. She was exceptional, really. She was popular, likable. She worked hard within the walls. The king, he chose her. Buechner writes, it is important to tell, at least from time to time, the secret of who we truly and fully are, even if we tell it only to ourselves, because otherwise we run the risk of losing track of who we truly and fully are, little by little. And then we come to accept instead the highly edited version, which we put forth in hope that the world will find it more acceptable, than the real thing. Who are you really, Esther? She might have been easy on the eyes, but so was every other woman in the harem. Perhaps the king loved her because she had a clear sense of who she was. A young woman of God's creation, a survivor. A woman of hope and faith. A woman with tenacity and strength. You see, she was the cousin of Mordecai, who was the son of Jair the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives with the king of Judah, who had been carried away by Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. You see, her name was Hadessa. And when her mother and her father died, Mordecai adopted her. He knew who she was. But our secrets often hold truths beyond our understanding. And as they are shared, the distortion of our self-perception is refocused. When we share our secrets, they lose their power. You know that's true. And we can begin to see ourselves for who we really are. And more importantly, who God is calling us to be. You see, Esther... While we are in the palace buying our groceries online and shopping for a new living room rug, many others, our siblings out there, are suffering. And there is grief across our world, and it has awoken us to a lament we can no longer ignore. And if we wonder why now, why now, God, why this moment for such a lament and collective grief? The threats to the dispersed Jews had been ongoing for hundreds of years. Only now you see Mordecai is weeping. Mordecai is tearing his sackcloth and wearing ashes. As children of God, these people are our people. And so perhaps we have been called to royal dignity for such a time as this. Because Esther, if you keep silent, If you do nothing, if you pretend like you do not know, like it is none of your business, it's not your problem, if you don't have the time, or if you just say it's their fault, it's no use, it's best to stay out of the way, well, that is exactly what Haman expects, isn't it? And something within us, and something beyond us, and perhaps something between us, and God forbid, somebody actually dies. You see, Haman, the king's right-hand man, is not Hitler and the KKK and your ex-girlfriend all rolled into one. Haman is insecurity and jealousy and unchecked greed and hatred and revenge. Haman views life for what he doesn't have. It's never really enough. Haman wins at all costs. He is manipulative. He assumes the worst. He refuses to change. He is me. He is you. He is fear. And while everybody knows if you approach the king without an invitation, you might get killed, the king is complacent and selfish and easily influenced. But Haman is power-hungry and dangerous. And here's the problem. Instead of turning our attention to Mordecai and a nation of suffering, we instead would much rather point fingers and argue over which one is worse. Who to blame, Haman or the king, and all the women and the helpers and Vashti? Speaking up takes courage. And honestly, sometimes we don't want to hear the truth. Sometimes we don't want to be impolite. We don't want to start a fight or rock the boat. And at least half of us in worship today are probably known to be polite southern ladies. And while the other half, we can assume, are probably polite men. And you know how your mama raised you. It's not polite to raise your voice. Young ladies, don't talk back. Spit out your gum, cross your legs, wait your turn, do as you're told. Make sure they like you. Mind your manners. Speaking up takes courage. In the face of that deep concern in your household or your family, or that thing you saw happening, or that indiscretion at work, or the racist or misogynistic comment, or the thick wall of silence after dinner, Showing up, creating space, joining hands, speaking out, signing the petition, sending money, reading, learning, listening. If you say something, things will change. There may be conflict. It won't be comfortable. It might cost you something. But I promise you, the worst thing that will happen if you find the courage to claim your voice is that something will change. You will get help. You will not be alone. You will find a way to light and truth and hope. So perhaps you have been called to royal dignity for such a time as this. But do not forget, if not for Mordecai, Esther never would have had the chutzpah to call Haman out, which she eventually does. If not for the one who was willing to push her, to stand by her, to tell her the truth, to allow her to change, the one who knew her and trusted her and let her go. So for all of you parents and uncles and aunts and mentors and cousins hoping to send your young adults out into this broken and hurting world, even if it's just to college. As the story goes, Esther does not even consider addressing Mordecai's concerns until after he calls on her three times, Only then she prays, she fasts, she asks her friends to pray, and then they all wait as she discerns and makes her own decision and slowly plans with intention. She moves in her own way, with her own gifts, patiently and with confidence within the walls, inside the walls, where there is so much power, but not without the collective power and support of her people. This morning, we remember two courageous civil rights leaders who have gone to take their rest amongst the saints this last week. The Reverend C.T. Vivian and of course Congressman John Lewis, the son of an Alabama sharecropper who rose to become one of the most profound and influential and courageous leaders of the civil rights movement alongside Martin Luther King Jr. He says this, Sometimes when I look back and think about it, how did we do what we did? How did we succeed? We didn't have a website. We didn't have a cellular telephone. But I felt when we were sitting at those lunch counter stools, or going on a freedom ride, or marching from Selma to Montgomery, there was a power and a force. God Almighty was there with us. We do not want our freedom gradually. We want to be free now, he said at the time. And it was this that he wrote. You are a light. You are a light. Never let anyone, any person, or any force dampen, dim, or diminish your light. Study the path of others to make your way easier and more abundant. Lean toward the whispers of your own heart. Discover the universal truth and follow what it it dictates. Release the need to hate, to harbor division, and the enticement of revenge. Release all bitterness. Hold only love, only peace in the heart, knowing that the battle of good to overcome evil is already won. Choose confrontation wisely, but when it is your time, do not be afraid to stand up, speak up, and speak out against injustice and if you follow your truth down the road to peace and the affirmation of love, if you shine like a beacon for all to see, then the poetry of all the great dreamers and philosophers is yours to manifest in a nation, a world community, and a beloved community that is finally at peace with itself. So perhaps you have been called to royal dignity for such a time as this. Amen.
2: Let us join our hearts and minds together in prayer. Let us pray. God of life, we see glimpses of your glory each day in the warmth of the sun, in the early morning song of the birds, the strength and beauty of a summer storm and in the kindness of a neighbor. And for all this we give you praise. Yet there are also days when the burdens we carry are heavy on our shoulders and they weigh us down. When the road seems weary and endless, and the skies gray and threatening. Days when our lives have no music in them, and we have lost our courage and our voice. Flood the path with light, turn our eyes to where the skies are full of promise. Tune our hearts to brave music, whisper your love into our spirits, and give us a loud and confident voice to sing and speak your truths into a broken and hurting world for such a time as this. We've never needed it more, Lord. We ask your mercy, presence, and peace for those this day who seek healing from illness. We lift those who are underemployed, in need of stable housing, and those who are hungry in body or spirit. We ask you to fill them and the gap in our bellies and hearts. Use us, show us the way. We ask your nearness to those grieving and those near death. We thank you for those who now rest from their labors. Bind our broken hearts together. We pray for our schools and our teachers and the students and the uncertainty, grief, and fear that they are facing. We plead for your wisdom and grace for those in places of power and decision making in the schools and throughout this country. Heal us from our bitter divisiveness and help us treat those with whom we disagree with grace. Lord, give us comradeship with the heroes and saints from every age. Join our hearts and minds so that we might continue their good work for all your children on earth and that we may comfort and encourage others to join in the journey of proclaiming your abundant grace and love with our voices, as well as our lives, with all who journey on us, with us on the road of life, and all for your honor and glory. We ask all this in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, the earth is the Lord, and all that is in it. We are merely stewards of the gifts God has blessed upon us. We invite you during our hymn to consider how you might share your life and your financial resources with the world. You can share your life through opportunities found on our website. And you can share your financial gifts through mail, through online giving, or through text to give. That number again is 704-734-9818. Let us return to God the offerings of our lives. Mm
3: I am bound for the
4: promised land, I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me, I am bound for the promised land. No chilling winds nor poisonous breath can reach that helpful shore. And wow.
2: To join me in our prayer of dedication O oh God our guide and help in contentious places as Esther prayed faithfully and worked courageously for the deliverance of your people strengthen us to confront the oppressor and free the oppressed so that all people may know the justice and unity of your realm may these gifts of time talent and money glorify you as we seek to exhibit God's reign in the world. Amen.
0: Now, in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds, and may you find the courage to claim your voice until we meet again. Amen.